Welcome to Best Picture Cast, where normally we deep dive a different Best Picture winner each week with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. Tonight we'll, we will be doing something a little different as we are continuing a series of episodes where we invite previous BPC co-hosts on to talk about their top 10 favorite movies. However, tonight we won't be doing that either. Instead, tonight we will be covering the host of Best Picture cast, Kieran B's Top 10 Favorite Movie List. Good evening, everyone. I am Artie B, co-host, but now host, of Best Picture cast. It is a pleasure to be hosting this episode of Kieran B's Top 10 Movie List with all of you tonight. Now, this is not the top 10 greatest movies ever made, in Kieran's opinion. It's his top 10 favorite movies. All right, having said that, we are going to jump right over to the normal host of Best Picture Cast, now a co-host, Kieran B. How does it feel to be beneath me tonight? <laughs> <laughs> not bad, Artie, not bad. You did a, good, a pretty good job with the intro there. You could have plugged, you could have thrown a social media plug or two in the mix. Pretty good, though. Had uh, it been in the format, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> it was a test. It was a test. That best picture guest, all the social media accounts. It it uh, it is interesting here, man, being in the passenger seat of this. This is your first time grabbing the steering wheel here. This is your first time hosting a podcast. How do you feel? Let me flip the question back around. I'm not sure you didn't write my answer I'm supposed to give <laughs> on this format. So No, this is a blast. I'm excited to host this episode. I've been looking forward to this for months since you told me I'm going to host your top ten episode. This is this is fun. I, I'm sure a couple people jerked their steering wheel and they heard your voice instead of mine to start this thing off. It's like, oh god, it's him right away. <laughs> um, yes, no, no. This is cool, man. I, I'm I've done a bunch of these with you guys, and it's now my turn in the hot seat. I gotta I gotta give my tens. Uh, it's a fun project. It's a harrowing project. It drives you crazy while you do it, but I'm I'm pretty I'm feeling pretty good about my list. Right We're now. all very eager to hear what you have on your top 10 favorite movie list. And joining us tonight is another frequent 16-episode co-host of Best Picture Cast. That's Chris G. Chris G., how you doing tonight? A little frightened, I'll be honest. This is, uh, you know, it's like, it's, like the dr it's like the drunk passenger driving the car. It's a, it's a little scary, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to get home safe, but, uh, you know, it, it, he's, he's played some good tunes, and... Uh, He's making me laugh, so... Well, know. I have no idea what you mean by that. So. <laughs> you got into a really weird Uber. <laughs> exactly. Hi. There's, a, there's a weird cologne, there's strange music playing. With Hi, it. I'm Artie B. He's this is my Uber. He's offering, he's offering us energy drinks, I don't know why. Like, it's very peculiar. <laughs> Alright, so this list has a few rules we have to abide by. We're not just getting Kieran's 10 favorite raw dog movies there are rules he has to abide by number one there are no best picture winners that would be extremely redundant for a show that is called best picture cast <laughs> we're already making a giant list we'll get there number two you can't double up on directors so you get to pick one rob schneider movie no, <laughs> what's the guy's name reiner rob reiner you, get, so you only get to pick one rob reiner movie you can't pick five even though we had a great run. So those are the two main rules. What are we drinking, gentlemen? Oh, getting right to it. Let's get this, to Kier. Kieran B., you never go first on this segment. Sure, sure. Okay, so I have a well-thought-out beer here today because the first podcast 
that I ever host was our pilot episode on The Departed. And Artie, you were my co-host. And the first beer I drank at that podcast was Montauk's IPA, the Session Ale. But my co-host that day was drinking <laughs> Cigar City's High Lie India Pale Ale. So, in homage to that day, where it was my first day hosting, Artie, now that it's your first day hosting, I have brought on the High Lie <laughs> from, from Cigar City to uh, pay homage to you. I hope to drink it more responsibly than you did that evening and uh, and save the editing team a little more uh, work than they put through on that pilot episode. So you're giving me a run for my money, my first host job. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Jared. A little taste of your own medicine there. I appreciate that. Literally. It looks like, it looks like you want a headache tomorrow with that, well, that highlight. It's, it's, a, it's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> and Chris G., what are you drinking? I am drinking a beer from Bar uh, Barrier Brewing Company here on the island. The money... India Pale Ale. Um, I figured because, you know, Kieran doesn't actually pay us any money to do these, that, uh, you know, maybe I just, this is where I'm going to get my money right here. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to inception him. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say too, Chris, man, that is one of my favorite local breweries. Yeah, I love Barrier. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, again, not everybody has access to it, but... Uh, but we do, so na 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 na. So good, so good. Yeah. Folks, you you may remember Kieran from such BPC episodes as <laughs> all, of them. all of them. Party, <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking? Start from the first. Let's go. Episode one to 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 forty six. So, I am drinking a tradition at this Best Picture Cast podcast, the Montauk Wave Chaser. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Six point four percenter. Blah, blah, blah. We've talked about this beer a hundred times. Yeah, it's a great beer. It's a frequent flyer, as we like to say. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Another, one of the, the many overused phrases that we throw <laughs> out there. Yeah. What, so, here, what are some of your favorite episodes that you've ever been on? Wow. Okay. I have so many to choose from. Um, so, Samurai Cop, I think, or uh, <laughs> Surf Nazis Must Die. No, those are the only two that I wasn't on. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, that's a little shout out to Worst Picture Cast, the, 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 the wonderful Grant Z and Joey R. run. Those are the only episodes of this video you're not going to hear my voice on, at least to date. I, uh, dude, this has been such a fun time of my life doing Best Picture Cast. I've, I've, all of you guys were good friends of mine before this, and I feel like all of you have become, there's been a new av uh, avenue and chapter of our friendships through and, this. And, and we've, a bunch of us have met each other through this, and yeah. now we're close friends. Yeah, it's, it's been so cool, and, and I, I hate to just be, like, trite with this and say, like, Every episode we record, I have a blast, and it really, it really is true. Though it's it's a lot of fun. Some have been a little more fun than others. Um, I, I always go back to the Shawshank Redemption episodes, my favorite movie of all time. Little spoiler alert: it will not be included today in this list because we've already done an episode on it. It is my number one movie of all time. I've said it several times in this podcast. That was our Thanksgiving special. I like the next year's Thanksgiving special. Um, Stand by me. You've mentioned Rob Reiner movies already. Uh, that was a, that was an awesome episode, Chris. You're on that one. Yeah. Man, ah, God. The Godfather 2 episode, I think, is some of the best content we've put out there. I feel like we were hovering above our <laughs> our bodies and, like, and peaking while we were doing that. The second, which I think it's been out, but by the time you'll hear this, it's probably out. The second part of the Lawrence of Arabia episode, I think, was some next-level stuff that we, we put together. I, jeez, Platoon is another one. Platoon is another great... Great, great episode. So I, I do like, well, I love the goofy and fun ones. I, I do like the serious ones to mix in with that too. And I think those are some of the, 
some of my favorite ones to talk about. We kind of we peel we peel it in extra layers of the movie that we haven't we didn't know were there, and we do it mid conversation. That's always the best ones for me. It's funny you separate the serious movies from the less serious movies because my my favorite moments for you on this podcast are when you're taken out of your element a little bit. <laughs> so like the Lion King episode and the Roadhouse episode, where it's not as serious of subject material as the the respect we give to the best picture winners. But then again, The Lost Weekend mm. and Platoon are episodes. I remember sitting there having discussions with you. Like, these discussions stick in my head, even though the episode's long gone. The, those are two serious movies. And also, I like the early episodes where you're finding your footing. Yeah, cool. I think those are cool. Because now, in retrospect, those have a lot more charm. Yeah, I, I'll say, if you want to tie it back into what we're doing today, if you ever want to really hear me out of my element... You will never hear me stuttering and stammering more than on Joey R's top 10 episode where he tricked me into thinking he was going to read a <laughs> list of his top 10 favorite superhero movies. They told him and Grant totally blindsided me with it. And you can just hear me stuttering and stammering and trying to stay like positive with what was going on. Uh, pr- pretty funny stuff. So they're good. Too. I also, you know, we can't not mention Kieran's unbelievable grasp of, uh, of world leaders and, and how to how to how to pronounce their names. Oh, his pronunciation pronunciation skills are through the roof. It's amazing, dude. It, it's He's come so far. I think it's why we have so many listeners. Like it's just for that alone. It's brilliant. It's, it's one of my favorite segments yeah, that we it's, do. It's great. We've had we've had in, in the group chat we've had like hour long arguments of just me and Artie going at it over how certain words are pronounced and like the three others like Grant Joe and Chris just kind of being Silent, probably texting well, on the side. Uh oh. Artie is a a an obnoxious like a criti- a criti- criti- uh, I'm already, He's gonna get me right now. Yeah. He, <laughs> it's, he's a, a critic of <laughs> he's a he's a bad critic of like spelling and pronunciation, like grammar. I, he's I remember copy. one time he he corrected me on like the na- the the pronunciation of a hockey player's French Canadian name. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, dude. Like, sorry, I you know. <laughs> Give me a break. I said uh, Du Bois instead of Dubois or whatever. You know, it's like, all right. Common, common mispronunciation. <laughs> Chris, what are some Kieran B. recordings or moments that stand out to you in the 2,000 plus hours we have on our <laughs> Well, I really enjoyed the uh, the Jaws and Shaws episode. Uh, we, if you remember, we, we found ways to make parallels between those two movies, like Jaws and, and uh, Man for All Seasons. Which was like surprising, I think, to all of us. You know, we were like, "Oh wait, these movies have a lot in common in a weird way." Uh, so that's always the cool stuff about this is like we find these these interesting avenues within the movie that we didn't expect to be there. You know, I, I really the Stand by Me episode was was particularly good. I I, I love the Oliver episode. Me, uh, Kieran and Grant. I think we had a really fun time and. <laughs> And just, it went places we didn't expect, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always, every episode is a great time. I, I love doing these. And... Dude, on the Jaws and Shaws one, bro, um, the, that one, because that was kind of still in the era of this. It's our first season, and we're still in the era of this where we weren't sure that some of these movies really could fully warrant their own episode. I mean, that's like, the earliest yeah. example would be Broadway Melody. Oh, I mean, that one definitely doesn't right. work. Yeah, you're, you're right. probably right in that instance. But so, like, with Man for All Seasons, it was we were kind of, like, punting that movie to just go into Jaws. And I think that was good. We were looking at that possibly being a regular format where, all right, we're going to talk a little bit about this Best Picture winner. 
and then you know, and then yeah. talk about a, a movie that's more desirable. But we and realized, it, yeah, we, what's we gotten, what's that. gotten crazy is well, I think in in that conversation we realized that we do have we can find a way to talk sure. about a movie, and we were pulling parallels and light bulbs were going off and talking about the two movies together. And what I found out later on as we kind of grew a little bit is the movies like Cavalcade and Around the World in Eighty Days get better ratings than Back to the Future, which doesn't make yes. any sense to me. People want to hear I think they, about some of these old best picture. I, I think they a lot of them want to hear. They want to be uh, feel as if they don't. They're not alone in hating them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I was just or, gonna say there's a group of people out there who watched Man for All Seasons a bunch and are like, I need someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, it's like this, someone else who saw it. You yeah. know? But sometimes even we realize like, oh, we 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 assume that we're, none of us are gonna like the movie or are gonna have anything cool to say about it. But then we realize, oh wait, like Oliver, who knew I would like that? Like least of all me. But and yet I there I was liking it. So you, we never know where people are gonna fall in these movies. Yeah, you know? yeah. Same thing happened to me with Sound of Music. Yeah, and and I gotta say too, my the, my the favorite thing that we do by far for me is the rankings episodes. They are. Always filled with such dynamic and such personality. Some of the hardest I've ever laughed in this in this stuff has been on the rankings episode, and some of the most heated we fought on air has been in those episodes. Yeah. So we really get a mix of emotions in those. Those are great, and the tournaments are great too. Yes, yeah. I I, I particularly love the drafts yeah. the most. I I am a competitive person, and God fucking grand that's <laughs> me. Like, just that guy. Just he picks like the worst shit in the world, and it, somehow it's like. Lights the world on fire and it drives yeah. me crazy. Hey, he's but I the love king it. of the mountain. What can you say? I know that son of a bee. But uh, this year, I already took him off off the off the mountain. So uh, I dethroned him. That's right. <laughs> kind of code dethroned him because he won the other one at the same time. So we don't speak of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad to see Artie and I in the sports uh, get to the final on the on the sports thing. It was good. I, I was glad the. Uh, the, the wild cards got their day, you know. We we got we yes. got there, and I was happy to beat you. Ah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, how would you sum up Kieran as a movie fan in general? Aside Ooh. from being stubborn upon first watches, <laughs> yeah, he he's tough. Sometimes he's less so these days. I think it's easier to get him to watch a movie now. He was very stubborn when I first met him. Like, you know, if he didn't think he'd like it, he just didn't want to watch it. That's changed a lot, and uh, he has a he has a really good sensibility. Of, I, I I would say better than probably most of us. And like, he really understands the nuances of these movies, and and uh, he really gets into the the, the nitty gritty of the filmmaking. And uh, I, I'm always impressed by how much insight he has. I fully agree. I think he's come a long way. He's constantly growing and learning. <laughs> From from himself it, within movies, right? With, we're with, about, yeah, oh, this movies. is of course within the context oh, okay, of movies, okay, okay. and his open mindedness. Not emotionally though, like no, 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 no. well, no, of course not. <laughs> no, not developmentally or emotionally. We are strictly talking within the context okay. of. Wait, you hear my list? <laughs> um, but you, you, his open mindedness has expanded. Yes, he, someone recommends something, he puts it on his list, That's right. and he watches movies on his list, despite the it's fact that just, he doesn't have a. Li- I'm sure he has a list he doesn't tell us about. It's like movies I don't care if people recommend them. Not watching them. I I know I know for a fact he's watched movies. Spoiler alert! I do have one of those lists. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the removal bank. It's called the Marvel list. The re- I, I know for a fact he he watches movies that we all know are are going to be bad, but somebody recommended it, and and you you will watch it. Like mm. uh, I know thirteen. Oh, was that one? Thirteen ghosts. Thirteen ghosts. Shout out to thirteen ghosts. Was was. Famously, one that you knew was going to be bad and was bad. It was worse than I expected. 
Yeah. You watched uh, it and you were duped by The Saint. Yeah. The, the Saint was by far the worst movie. The worst <laughs> movie that anyone has ever recommended me. Um, and that, the person that, who recommended to me denies recommending that's it. That's a Val Very, Kilmer trashster piece. Yeah, that's by far the worst movie oh. I've ever watched that someone's recommended. And that person may or may not live very close to you. <laughs> All right, so Kieran, it's time. Are you ready? I, I am ready. I am ready. And I have a, a list here. So these this is my, my quote-unquote favorite movies. It is very much the movies that have made me. That's kind of how I've lo- looked at the list. It, it, I'm not saying that these are movies that I'm going to throw on on any Sunday afternoon and rewatch and rewatch. A lot of them I do, uh, or, or would, if, if the opportunity is there. Some of them, it's been a little while since I've seen them, but they're still a big part of my life. And ultimately, the way I sum it up is these movies are the movies that made me. They're, for one reason or another, they have shaped my, my sensibilities as, as a viewer as a lover of cinema, they're all movies that take that take me into a world. Whether that world is an alternate reality or a part of our reality. Uh, and I think I've mixed genres up pretty good. I think I've mixed decades up pretty good. I have six different decades represented wow. in here. Didn't do it intentionally, just kind of worked, worked out that way. It's like Chris's lifespan. Uh, <laughs> there it is. You got one in. Uh, yeah, so, th- yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm pretty... Sorry, pretty I just, I, can I just go change my colostomy bag? I'll be right back. <laughs> all right, well, that's all well and good. So before we get into the number 10... So before we get into your top 10 list... <laughs> so before we get into your top 10 list, what's with the song you picked at the beginning? Like, can you give a little background of that? I sure can. It's it's very simple. Uh, and I know that everyone who does their list picks their intro and, and outro. And I am... of. Of all the areas of this podcast that I let people kind of give their input and whatnot, which isn't always very wide gaps of, of input, I, I, but I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak, I'll admit to that. A lot of air quotes going uh, on. Yes, yeah. But the songs that start the episodes, I really do not allow anyone to pick. It, 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 it in is, fact, is, if you mention something, he will actively not use it. You're, you're not allowed to know what it is till I push play. Yeah, That's just yeah. kind of a, an odd thing here. But yeah, so, so the area, if, when you're doing your own list, I kind of let you pick the up and closing. And it's my turn. It's very simple. Uh, the most important musical act in my entire life. They've uh, inspired the people who inspired me to pick up guitar. They're uh, by far my favorite band, my biggest musical influence. And just a band that I just love their entire discography. It's Metallica, uh, wearing a Metallica shirt to speak from the uh, original SNM concert at MSG. Did, was did they play with Miley Cyrus in that concert? Because I know they do. That they now, do, so. and she's a very talented musician. So <laughs> her and Lars are, are super tight. I, I know. I've seen. Them. Um, I picked the song "Hit the Lights," which was their very first recorded song. It's the first song off their first album. They were eighteen when they recorded that. Yeah, yeah, 18, I, 19 years old. I have to say, is, that's alarming. In the 80s, yes, Artie, I was old enough to listen to Metallica in the 80s. When you were uh, in high school, I would assume. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, the, those first few albums were, were just mind-blowing, for sure. Yeah, and then to hit, hit the Lights was the very first track off the very first album, and my closing song will be the very last track off of, to date, their last album. I mean, I'm hoping there's more to come, but... Uh, as we record this, it's there. Which was um, which one is that? That's Death Magnetic. Uh, Death no, Death Magnetic was in yeah from two thousand eight. So this uh, oh. is hardwired to self destruct as the album. Yeah, so I just, so I, I figured I'd bookend their discography with the episode. Kind of be a nice way to, to go about it. So Very nice, love it. I'm making fun of you, but I do like Metallica. Yeah, so we and we have we've debated over yes. the years about what albums are when what's the cutting off point. I love their whole their whole discography. I love everything from from. Ride the Lightning to Black Album to Load to 
Saint Anger, it's a death magnet. I love it all. So. I, I've stuck with Chili Peppers, even though they they've really hurt my feelings a lot uh, over the years. But uh, yeah. you know, done some things that I don't don't approve of. But uh, Kieran, what's your favorite Metallic album? My favorite Metallic album. Here we are in the favorites first bests. Uh, do it. It's Ride the Lightning is my favorite Metallic. Chris, album. what's your favorite Metallic Kill album? Kill them all. You kill them all. Them all. Yeah, I love cool. Kill them That all. makes some sense. A punk with your punk roots yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. That's their their most. And I'm a master of puppets guy, so uh, we got all three of their first albums covered. Yeah. Which I think is, if I had to, if I had to point out what I thought their biggest piece of art is, it would be Master of Puppets. I'd probably yeah. go. I, and are you wearing a? Are you wearing a Ride the Lightning shirt? That's what I'm wearing an, 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 yeah. an Justice for All. Or is no, it that's Ride the Lightning. Is that Four Horsemen? Is that? That's Kill Them All. That's the one I love. It's one of my favorite songs. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do love Load too. I know everyone hates Load, but that's the, that was my first it's, Metallica album. I think it's aged well. Like, I think at the time people remember they cut their yeah. hair and stuff. And it's it better now. But yeah, it, it has like like twenty plus it's years later. Well. You look like, back. Two by four yeah. and eight, my bitch are both good. Like <laughs> House of Jack, Phil. Bleeding four. me. Already when I got yeah. here, you're fooling around on yeah, bleeding me. Guitar, playing one. bleeding I mean, me. Yeah. Black album really was. Uh, a global phenomenon. Like when that album came out, it was a big fucking. That was deal. next level yeah. stuff. It was all. I mean, they were globally huge. I mean, they wrote one of the best songs ever written, basically in Enter Sandman. Yeah, yeah, like, not that it's like technically brilliant, but I mean, I think Unfor- it's fucking a cultural oh, phenomenon for Unfor- forty Unfor- years. Unforgiven makes me like cry right? yeah. if I listen That's to it right now. I, so this not- is now a Metallica podcast, right? Yeah. Hey, well, let's hey, let's on the topic. Not well. I actually just picked my favorite ten Metallica songs, so let's let's do that. Kieran, let's get into it. Okay, it's time. It is time for your top ten movie list. We're going to start with number seven. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're going to go to number ten. What's your number ten movie? Number ten. Okay, and I mentioned before, um, we're playing with a few genres here, and one of the little debates we have here on Best Picture Casts, as far as genres go, is who has the Gene Kelly and who doesn't have oh, the boy. Gene Kelly. So I am admittedly someone who has the Gene Kelly. I do love a good musical, and I'm kicking off number 10 with a musical. I consider it the most accessible musical of all time. It is a movie from 1971, directed by Mel Stewart. I've got a golden ticket. It is based on a novel by Roald Dahl. The suspense is terrible. I hope it'll last. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, really number good, 10. That's a really good pick, dude. That's good. Important part of my becoming a rewatchable viewer. You know, just the, it's my earliest memory of a rewatchable live action movie. For Animation is obviously came first and that, just watching the Disney movies over and over again. But Willy Wonka was on the Disney Channel all the time. It was one any point on, I'd hop in. It is just has... To me, the best performance of Gene, Wilder. of Gene Wilder's career, also starring Oscar winner Jack Albertson and Peter Ostrom. A wonderfully vibrant movie. It is a layered thematic movie. It's based on a children's novel, but you can really get into it and analyze the different parts of it and what they're trying to say about economics, about, um, about class. Class, yeah, class systems and, and uh, making your way up in the world. And, it's just, and, it, and having integrity. Right? Like, I think that's a big yeah. part of it. Oh, yeah. Um, or not, and not having it, and, you know, where that gets you. The musical numbers are so good. And I don't think most people think of it as a musical. Like, they're just like, oh, you know, I hate musicals. And like, we'll go, Willie Wonka the Chalk Factory. Well, well, that's not a musical. I like that one. I'll be asking you, threw yeah. me on that one. Like, I, yeah. I, I, when you said it, I was like, oh, that is a musical. Go back and watch it. It is 1,000% yeah. a musical. Yeah, There's no other way around it. It is designed musical pieces throughout a narrative. Yeah. Uh, For, 
Yeah, sorry, Artie. Okay. I was going to say for 1971, that is way ahead of its time, that mm. movie. Like, that is a, a feat in I, filmmaking. I also, you know, growing up in an era, and you, and you guys did to a large extent too, where, where we didn't have streaming and channels and like crazy. We You know, there was very limited what we had access to. That was like... Anytime that was on, it was like an an event. It was like mm. it was like the Wizard of Oz. Like they would play that mm. like once a year, and you were like, or Fro- remember the Frosty the Snowman? Yeah, uh, you know, it's like they play these at a certain time, and you're like, oh, we gotta sit down. We because you can't record it, right? Like we have to sit down and watch this right now. It's on. Yeah, and like that was one of the movies that would be on, and we would watch it, and like it was an event, and. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's, yeah, the, the fizzy lifting drinks going up in the thing. I mean, everyone just it was, remembers it. It the, was the boat ride, magical. whacked out boat ride. I love at the end when Willy Wonka just turns to him and he's like, "You got nothing." I'm like, "We so angry!" Yeah, like, what a so good character transformation. It's, Willy Wonka is one of the all time characters. Yeah, uh, it is, and G. Marlowe's performance you can't you can't understate it. It's it's one of those it's where you look in retrospect and say, "How is he not?" get some kind of Oscar recognition it, for this. It's as perfectly cast as you yeah. can do. It's it's nailing casting. Yeah, and he's elevating uh elevating the character, which is already an all-time character. I, I think it was I think already put it beautifully. It's it was ahead of its time. I, I don't think he I don't think people knew what it was until way later or what it mm. what it represented until way later. Yeah, and another one of those, I mean Chris, I know in your episode we we talked about one of your movies, if you haven't listed I won't spoil it. That was kind of overlooked at the Oscars. To me, this is a classic example of one, too. Like, how is this movie not up for, like, six or seven Oscars? Yeah. It was up for one, it was up for score, and lost. But, uh, it, it just, come on. Yes. Well, we've talked about this with, like, Star Wars, where if a movie's so far ahead of its time, it's frequently missed by the people in that time. Yeah, and it's also coming at the end of its genre's time. So, like, the yeah, 60s, we were right. overloaded with musicals. So the fact, like... And we just said before, like, people today don't look at it as a musical, but back then it's like, here's another musical, here's another, like, and, and attempt it's at a comedy. And it's looked at as like, oh, like, that's, that was yesterday, and we're on uh, to something else. Filmmaking was becoming really edgy, and, and, and think the, 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 the culture was changing, so mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were probably looking at that and be like, oh, this is, uh... This is the old guard. Yeah, and it doesn't fall into the similar tropes of a lot of those musicals. That a lot of the things you hate about musicals already is is you know just the singing through the dialogue and the dancing. You know they found a way to employ the songs, the Oopa Loopa stuff with the the the, the changing the camera work and all that. Yeah, totally fits. Yeah. Well, I think I think also his performance makes it contemporary in that time. Like it really, it's it is edgy and kind of offbeat and like. It's not Sound of Music. It's not those other uh, classic uh, musicals. It, yeah. It's something different. But I think maybe at the time they just people were just like discarded it as that's the old stuff, you know. Mm. So I think it got lost. Yeah, I uh, I was on my my first appearance on uh, Cinemusks. I discussed this movie with Mike and had a great conversation. Definitely go check that out on their feed. And one of the points that I made in that, and because I rewatched it for the for the episode. As a kid, the stuff before the factory, to me, was like, oh, get me to the factory, get me to the factory. Like, this is the other stuff. Is, oh, that's a good stuff. Rewatching it as an adult, that is some of the funniest stuff in the movie. There's, like, these little skits uh, about people trying to go after the tickets and finding the tickets. Yeah. It is, it's so awesome to rewatch that and, and front to end. It makes the whole... I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's a truly wonderful film and should be, it gets overlooked in the grand scheme of I things. I agree. So that's yeah. my number Great, two. great pick. Really so, awesome. Kieran, great pick at number 10 with Willy Wonka. What do you got for number nine? 
Number nine, we have yet another musical here. We're staying in the musical oh world. God. I promise this is the last one, though. So this is my last movie. I'm going 10 and 9 as my two musical representations here. Uh, there are some similar themes, too, as we have uh, kind of um, groups of kids uh, fighting their way in an adult world and trying to answer some tough questions in life, such as, what would Brian Boitano do? And I have a movie starring George Clooney, Minnie Driver, Isaac Hayes, and Mike Judge, written and directed by Trey Parker, also written by Matt Stone. It is 1999's A Movie That Worked My Little Mind, (laughs) South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Truly one of my favorite movies of all time. That's Coming in the most Kieran pick I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. That is a wonderful pick. That is another movie I saw in theaters with my mom. Oh boy. But oh also, my God, also really? a bunch of my friends and she knew to sit in the back and not yeah, sit yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah, cause set the record them. for profanity. I think it broke Pulp Fiction's record for, for F-bombs it, in a movie. It went out of its way to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, shattered the record. Wonderful choice, Kieran. Like you said, these are the movies that make you. This movie is is part of your bloodstream. Oh, it thousand percent is. I can't overstate the importance of South Park to my life, my to my creative life, to my uh, comedic life. Like it is just, it's it's followed my path of of entertainment through uh, through through middle school to adulthood. Still going strong today too, which is amazing. This already I saw this movie for the first time with you, believe it or not. Yes, in, in the theaters. In, no, no, no. Oh, I didn't see you, this till okay. college. That wasn't my so first. So I yeah, I didn't see no, it wasn't your first watch, it was my first watch. Me, you and our friend Scott were visiting him down in Towson. And he put put this movie on and we uh, watched it along. We watched the Scott Tennerman Must Die episode, which is I think one of my favorite episodes, and the movie. And it relaunched my interest in South Park because I, I loved it when it was first out. And then kind of getting into college, I started watching it a little bit again. And the Scott's like, you've never seen the movie? And boom, we watched the movie. And it's one I go back to regularly. It is truly a masterpiece of a musical composition. It is a legitimate musical. The songs are goddamn perfect. They're, they're, they're doing, it's doing a satire thing while also creating amazing musical art. I mean, they're, they are, they're poking fun at, at the Gershwin stuff. They're poking fun at the Disney stuff. But they're not just doing it to be a parody. They're doing it to create also. And it's no surprise that they went on to win a Tony after this and with, with, their, uh, with the Mormon, Book of Mormon stuff. Dude, if you haven't seen this movie in a while, Chris, I'll wager say you it's been a while since you've seen it. I, I saw it a long time ago, yeah. uh, way after it came out. But I, South Park is definitely a... a you guys think uh, I was a couple of years that couple of years makes a difference like here for instance where where South Park comes out I'm in high school but it just missed me a little bit uh, everything I've watched everything you've asked me to watch I've watched and like found hilarious I I get the I get the jokes I, I get the humor it just I missed me a little bit yeah uh, go, go back and check the film out Chris. No, just, yeah. just, I have seen it and I remember laughing my ass off like I, I definitely get it but uh, just not, it was not, wasn't part of my life at that time. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, the opening number with the, it's kind of like the Beauty and the Beast-esque intro to things. You have the, the Satan doing the Little Mermaid deal, the La Resistance, the, where they're kind of mishmashing the songs. Then Blame Canada, I have to chat out Robin yeah, Williams I mean, performing that at the Oscars. The, that was the lone Oscar nominee for this one was that's, the song Blame Canada. That's absolutely, I mean, that, 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 there was no viral, but that yeah. went nuts when it was out. Yeah. yeah. 
And also, they bring back Will. <laughs> Kyle's <laughs> the bitch. He's big, fat bitch. He's big, fat bitch. Yep. Kyle's mom. There's uh, uh, Uncle Fucker. Oh, yeah. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. That's from the movie? Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it, the, the music in this is relentless, hilarious, <laughs> and really, really well done. Like, it's like the songs are catchy and they're wonderful. And, <laughs> and when I rewatch this one, man, I always am excited every time there's a new song number that comes on. I think anyone who loves musicals, that is, that's an important thing that carries your love for the genre. But this does it with my love for South Park, and it's just, I, I, I love Dude, it. Dude, you, you're an uncle fucker? Yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Like, <laughs> it's, really, it's like, it feels like Broadway. And it's as vulgar, it's going out of its way to be as vulgar as possible, and probably pisses off anyone who that sort of thing annoys, and anyone who's in on the joke just laughs all the much harder, so... They were picking on cancel culture before cancel culture existed. Yeah. Well, the, the 90s really did a good job of, like, breaking open some of those, like, uh, uh, taboos that we that we had. The and they were at the know. forefront of it. No, they are one of the things, you know? Like, yeah. Please, if it's been a while for you, please go back and check it. And in case you were wondering what Brian, Brian Boitano would do, he'd call all the kids in town, tell them to unite for truth. That's what Brian Boitano would do. Does it... It ages well. Like is my it, favorite song in the, in the movie, there, by the way. Is really there anything that doesn't age well within this movie? Like, oh tons, yeah, everything. <laughs> oh yeah, there's yeah, there's some language there that you just wouldn't. But South Park always seems to get away with that. Yeah, yeah, even you now, know? right? I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. and, and yeah, but there's something there's an irreverence about them that is understood. And that they're they're playing with language and they're asking questions about language about what you can. I mean, the whole movie is about censorship. That's the theme behind the whole movie. If you make it satirical, you can get away with it. Yeah, and and it's it's genuine too. It's not like they're not doing it to belittle anyone. Yeah, they're right. doing it to to present conversation. It's 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 done in a way where like we're not making fun of the people. Those people were making fun of the people that make fun of those people. Yes, kind of yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. Right. Yeah, and the whole premise of the movie is we are we are you know. The kids are going to see a vulgar movie, and the parents are saying the vulgar movie is going to make them bad kids, and it's going to make the way, and they start a world war over it. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, and yeah. the movie itself is breaking a record for vulgarity. Like so, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a song within a song, yeah, if you will. Right. All right, Kieran. So your number nine was South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. We're moving on to your number eight. What's your number eight? My number eight. So we have visited the 70s. We visited the 90s. It's time to dial it back to the 60s here. And this is not a musical. We are done with musicals, guys. But there's a musical component to this, which has a big part as to why it's one of my favorite movies. Artie, you've talked a bunch of times on this podcast about me watching movies as a part of my quote-unquote challenge and uh, saying, Artie, you got to see this movie. Get it. This is a little one in reverse. This is a movie that you came to me and said, you're watching all these movies, this is a movie you need to see. It is a movie that would be on my Mount Rushmore of best scores of all time. It's directed by the great Sergio Leone. It's starring Eli Wallach. It's starring Lee Van Cleef. It's starring Clint Eastwood. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. <laughs> 1966, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That was also number seven on my list. So this is a, uh, this is a recurring movie here on yes. these top ten lists. It's logged another, another, another spot on here. Score by Ennio Marconi. Um, yeah, this is... And if you're, if you're in any way new to this podcast or familiar with this podcast, you know if, if, if Kieran stops and recommends a movie, 
most of the co-hosts will like it because it's usually an awesome movie. And vice versa. If a co-host stops Kieran and goes, dude, you need to see this movie, it usually is worth the watch. This one is the, the pinnacle of that. I think that we have, in our, in our, our movie Chris Kringle that we did, the movie Secret Santa that we did this year, I think we proved that we have a good understanding of each other's sensibilities. And I do believe that this was a movie you picked it out to get to I Joey. I recommended it to Joey R. Yeah, so that, that, that ties into it. that well, too. Listen, the movie is just a goddamn epic masterpiece. It's, I'm, a, I'm a lover of the Western genre. This, to me, is my favorite Western. Visually brilliant. It is, um, we mentioned the score, the, the Ecstasy of Gold, tie it back to Metallica. They come out to it every single night before they're set play, that plays into their first song. The, uh, the, orig- uh, the origin. Yep. And, and all the, the, the music in between, too. Uh, a movie they had to, uh, to kind of remaster and put together, and I think they even did some re-overdubbing. The dubbing is a little weird, and now you have people speaking different languages and the English over the top, but... Again, just a movie that uh, I always, always love to just say like, okay, it's a Sunday afternoon, time to sit back, relax. I got, I got, I got an afternoon to myself. Let's throw on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Chris, you're making face. Sounds, I, I'm a sh- shame. I've, I've, I'm shamed here. Wow, you haven't seen it? Never seen it. Oh wow, boy, you, know you got what? a big one on your list now. Yeah, I got to put it on my list. That, se- that seems like a perfect movie for this room, this movie yeah. theater room that Chris G is hosting us in. That's a perfect movie yeah, for this that, with that's, the sound. That's definitely a gap in my in my mm. viewing knowledge. Uh, yeah, I recently yeah. picked up the uh, the four K remastered version. I haven't watched it yet. I have it on the on the slate with my new my new Blu Ray Ultra HD player. Super excited for that. Maybe Chris, I'll have you over and we'll absolutely. Check that I'd one. love. I you what know I, what am I wood? Yeah, Hardy. Of course <laughs> you're gonna buy it. You no showed our Unforgiven viewing though. That that's that horrible snowstorm. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't put on my tennis racket shoes and walk over here. I mean, you could walk. You could walk here. <laughs> I know, and it would take a while. One thing I love almost more than watching movies on my own or enjoying movies on my own is, I love watching people watch movies. Oh yeah, love. that's actually better than watching movies myself. In that case, I mean, it's a movie you love, and we watch it together. Like I've done that with you, and I think you've done a lot with me, where we're watching movies that we love with somebody who's watching it the first time and. So that would be great to watch with you and like you yeah. can you can watch me watching it you know like oh yeah and and uh, I mean my favorite movie of all time Shawshank Redemption is yeah. the ultimate movie is like you should you should if if you love Shawshank Redemption you should be actively going out and finding people who haven't seen it and watching it with yeah. them because that is the greatest movie to watch with someone who has never seen it. One of my greatest see that. the greatest experiences was in, again in this room at the group of us. You and Artie had not seen The Room, which yes. is a terrible movie, but an awesome, <laughs> terrible movie. And watching you watch it was one of the greatest pleasures of my life. But other people's reactions. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, just like the, the, the stun and awe of like, what this is, what is this? You know, it's so I, I can only imagine what a, watching a really good movie like this is. I Again, it's one of those movies that like I know is good. I'll probably love it. I just haven't seen it. Well, we watched yeah. Platoon here, too. Me and Joey R's first watch. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have a like a weird conversation about directors here at some point. And one of my favorite directors of all time is Clint Eastwood, and this is his representation on the list because my favorite Clint Eastwood movies have won Best Picture. So we're we're not I know right, we're not up right, to that right. yet, but I do want to shout out too if you've been following along with the podcast if you're a frequent listener. Yesterday I finally 
completed my uh, my stretch of watching all the Clint Eastwood movies. I yes. watched the the final one, Richard Jewell, which I had um, seen already. Yeah, yeah I have now that? seen every Clint Eastwood movie. I really, really it's, enjoyed it's it. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a really, really movie. enjoyed it. It's a cool story that I didn't know about. Um, cool in the sense of, I mean, I guess it's not cool what happened, but interesting. It, yeah, it's yeah, it, it sucks you in, and you you want to know where where it's going to go next. The super awesome cast and all that. Yeah, um, that's a story for another day. We'll have my my I'm Clint Eastwood rankings on Letterbox. I'm surprised you took it. It took you so long to watch that one. That, um, well, I just at that point I was locked in to do it chronologically, and that yeah, was yeah. just that one. I mean, Cry Machos after that. I saw Cry Macho in theaters when it came out, but. Uh, I've, I've seen them all now, so I'll have my uh, rankings up there soon. All right, so we've got your 10, your 9, and your 8. What's your number 7? Number 7, okay. Now, I think maybe one thing you guys listening out there might not know about me, because I do tend to, you know, you know I love the, the serious dramas. I love the um, those dialogue-driven movies, and I do love the, the epics and the, um, the scenic ones. I do love me, while I'm not a fantasy guy... Not a fantasy guy. I don't like living in the in the fake planets and the and the, the goblins and the ghouls going around. I do love me some science fiction. I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a science fiction guy. I'm a supernatural guy. And our next few are gonna delve into that world, and we're gonna go with this one next. It is now time for the '80s. We are going to the '80s. Uh, we're going to a movie that I consider the greatest time travel movie oh. of all time. It's starring Michael Bean. It's starring Linda Hamilton, oh. and it's starring oh. Arnold himself. <laughs> Come with me if you want uh, to live. Yeah. It's 1984's OG Terminator. Oh, the, number seven. Oh, okay. Terminator Great fucking one. choice. You just took Artie and I on a roller coaster ride because he had three <laughs> different movies <laughs> before I, that. <laughs> yeah, I crossed out a couple times. <laughs> Confidently showing him one, and then you're like, sci-fi. I'm like, what the fuck? He's a time traveler. You're like, oh, that's, that that's not a period piece. <laughs> oh, right. OG Terminator, huh? Not two. OG Terminator. I reach. I recently watched that because you were saying that's better than T2, and I was a big T2 guy. Like, mm. I can't. Yeah, I, I I have a hard time with that premise. Yeah, most people are T2 guys. <sighs> and yeah. I watched it, and it's better. I the Terminator's it. better. It's raw. Dude, it's hardcore. So it's raw. fucking so low budget, lowish budget. One of the biggest parts of this movie for me, outside of the fact that I can never quite get my head around whether it makes sense or not, or, or to what degree of sense it makes, uh, you know, him going back and yeah, having sex yeah, to birth yeah, himself yeah. and all that. Um, but the final shot for driving off into the storm, I think it's one of the greatest shots of cinema history. I, I oh, think it's okay. it would be up there if we're making a top ten. Greatest shots of cinema history. That's her there. Riding into the storm. How the movie ends. Knowing that a sequel would would come that many people would think is greater than the original. The seed that is planted right there to me is just incredible. And uh, defines a lot of what James Cameron would do from, from there. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not just the launching off point to an impressive franchise i mean i know that the sequels beyond two are, are a little shady yeah, a little but uh, but knowing that it's the launching off point for james cameron is just so wild to me to thinking titanic's to come thinking uh, avatar whether however you feel about it's to come dude it, uh, and the opening bar see her getting the, the call on the bar and and him you know checking the answering machines and going around her house like, like that the police stuff station is, the police station oh yeah the, i'll be back you know right <laughs> and he plows through the wall i mean it just so dude I mean, the, 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 the best is uh, 
he's, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if I'm going to get these confused or not, but when he is, when he is transported, right, he's completely naked. That, yeah. yes. You know that happens in yeah. both movies. He drops yeah. down. He drops down. <laughs> and the movie just starts he with that. He drops down. Yeah, he drops down. Um, what? But like, Arnold drops down in the beginning of the movie. Drops down, you're yes. saying? Yes, yes. But like, what a brilliant, like, like yes, he wouldn't have clothes. He's a robot. He doesn't care yeah. about clothes. Like, it, it, there's a lot to be, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. And I, even like, I mean, I know we're, we're putting these two movies together, but the trans, Linda Hamilton's transition from the first movie to the second movie is like absolutely brilliant. It's like, brilliant. It, it's a, it's a really, I mean, and movies just weren't, there was no movie like that at the time, right? Like the, that, that, it, for that low of a budget too, the, uh, yeah, and, the special and effects are unreal and budget wise, it's it's six point four mil okay. versus that's, Terminator Two's Terminator Two's hundred mil. So like it, yeah, you yeah. know, but it has like an indie movie kind of feel to it. I mean, we put his it, put everything out. They had has, a little it has extra the head crushing and the light in the eyes going yes. out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's an iconic moment. You yeah, know, like that's an and the futuristic moment. uses like the miniatures and stuff. Like it's a, yeah. it's an interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. It's always it's always I remember like, that not being great. Yeah. It's always a trip for me to, to think about what people in the eighties thought the future would look like. You know, whether it's Back to the Future Two, uh, Blade Runner. Like there's all these movies. Yeah. It's just like the eighties. Any Michael Jackson video? Well, they all the eighties had a weird sense of what the we're, future. We're would living be. in a lot of the time periods that they like. They would. 2021 we're like oh we're already past that shit there's nothing like that back to the future too is 2015 yeah yeah like my car still drives on five dollar gas <laughs> uh this movie makes sense by the way it doesn't not make sense it makes sense it does you have to, there, there you have whole, to spend there, a few hours in the library to get your head at peace with it timeline wise it makes perfect sense uh i it think does. there are holes right here uh it's a long long cut we could do a whole podcast about it maybe one day we will you can check out our gentleman's agreement episode we do talk arnold's entire filmography we do do good terminator (laughs) talk about it you can check that out but it's it's a great movie i mean it's one i remember watching early on with my dad and like just being like whoa this is like yeah this is different than i've ever seen before you know all right so that's your number seven we are now on to your number six movie kieran b lay it on us thick number six and it's time for a new decade here we're going to the 2000s here oh, on this one okay contemporary i like it crash yes. two <laughs> no it is it is not crash believe it or not or, or crash two uh, but it is one of my favorite years of film 2004 it is a movie, you know, 2004, I'm in college. It's a movie that uh, got me at the right time, got me in the point of, point of my life where I'm still trying to figure out myself a little bit and, and uh, my relationships with, uh, with the rest of the world. And it is uh, a movie, well, let's just go right into it, why not? It's, uh, it's a movie that's starring Elijah Wood, Tom Wilkinson, Kirsten Dunst. Mark Ruffalo, David Cross, Kate Winslet, Jim Carrey, directed by Mikel Gondry, written by Charlie Kaufman. Please let me keep this memory, just this one. This would be eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And sort of in the science fiction world, I don't, you know, it's it's more of it's it's more than just more than just any of that. Like it's it's not that sci-fi, dude. Like, no, it's, it, it's it's fictional aspects are really just a device for you to examine. Um, all the elements of, of relationships and and interpersonality and and um, yourself, you know your your partner, uh, your prospective partners, your retrospective partners. To me, a movie that hit me at the right time. It's a movie that I've been able to go back to uh, when I'm a single person 
when I'm a person in a relationship, when I'm a person getting out of a relationship. I think in all of those sections of your life, this movie has important aspects. And this taps into the serious analytical part of me as a movie lover where I want to talk about people stuck in a room with each other having to deal with their own problems, their partner's problems, or the person they don't like in the room with them's problems. You know, the person creeping on their girlfriend's problem, like whatever it is. This movie covers a lot of ground in the in the short run time it is. A local, local story, Long Island story too. So um, you have that part of it too. Eternal Sunshine is Bob's mind. I remember you recommended this movie to me in college after you saw it, and it hit me the same way at the right time. Mm. It was just this intense feeling I got from this movie. Weird feelings, great feelings, and then the ending is excellent. Mm. Um, this is a great choice. I'm not surprised that this is on your list. Yeah. I, I got a lot to say about this. Uh, I, I'm a big Kaufman fan, so I, I love uh, adaptation. I love being John Malkovich. This is probably as quintessential. I'd be hit this and being John Malkovich are probably the two that, that people know before. This is also like, I think this is the most Jim Carrey Jim Carrey's been in a movie. I think this is more him than mm. in any other movie he's like ever done. Like his real person. I think he's somebody that that is uh, very... I, whatever you think of him, he uh, he's very existential, right? He He's very of the, looking at the bigger picture of the universe kind of thing. And, and this this character is the most vulnerable I think he's he's been. I, I'm a big fan of his... his uh, dram- especially his dramatic stuff. I, I love his comedy too. But uh, he's an interesting character. And this is the most Jim Carrey I think you've seen. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a heartbreaking movie. I mean, it's, it is it's tough. Yeah. Tough to watch. Yeah, you got to be careful with this movie. You got to watch. You, you. You have to be careful where you're at with yourself yes, with this movie. It's, absolutely, it's a, it's a tough this, one. because this will. This will rip your world apart if you're in the wrong yeah. sp- space to watch it. Yeah. Uh, it is a. I never thought of it as a Long Island movie, but it definitely is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Starts off on No, no, you're right. Yeah. I, I just never. I, you know, when I when I saw this movie, I didn't. I didn't live here. You know, it was a long time ago. So. Uh, now that I live here, I'm like, oh, that that is a very long. It's a very long island movie. Um, very cool, very cool. Movie. Going to like my sensibilities as a viewer, I like movies that ask questions as opposed to telling you answers, and not just asking questions for the sake of asking questions, asking questions that they may not have the answer to, but they want the answer to, and they want you to find the answer to too. But that's up to you. And to me, this is the ultimate type of movie like that. It's. It means something different to every person who watches it, whatever junction in their life. Like you said, Chris, it's a hard watch for yeah. a lot of people and a lot sure. of points of their life. Yeah. But just to me, such an, such an important movie in my life and happy to have it on this list. Yeah, awesome movie. All right, so before we enter your top five movies, Kieran Bay, what are some of the best picture winners that might have made the list? <laughs> okay, so this is, this is tough. Um, because, <laughs> well, I mean, listen... To answer it, Frank, is a lot of them would be in consideration because I started a podcast about Best Picture winners because Best Picture winners are a very important part of my movie-going life. Like, I, I, I set out on the quest. So, you know, would something like a French Connection make my top ten list? No. But I have an important relationship with the French Connection. Would something like Kramer vs. Kramer make my list? No, but I have a very important connection with that. Those are two movies we haven't covered yet. You've heard us cover half of them, and you know my relationship with them at this point. But to answer it specifically, which ones would would contend with us here? I have to start off with the movie we just covered, Lawrence Arabia. That's real easy to answer. Would, without a doubt, be in my top ten 
here if if I had free reign to pick it. Either of the Godfathers have to say that too. I don't think there's any real surprises there. I talked about my Eastwood love, uh, Million Dollar Baby, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Unforgiven would be in the mix too. The Lost Weekend, Bridge on the River Kwai, it's David Lean. So this is the, like, David Lean and Clint Eastwood are not gonna be on my list because my favorite movies by them are Best Picture winners. You know, Billy Wilder, Wilder also with Lost Weekend. The other ones that have come up that I'll throw out there too, The No Country for Old Men's, The Gladiators, The Departed's would certainly be in consideration for it. So that, that's, in looking at it just quickly saying like, which ones would I grab that I think would be in there, that, that's probably where I would go. And this, we're talking favorite here. So anyone who's trying to cheat and find out what my rankings to the end of this will be, I, I can separate favorite versus greatest. And when I do my best picture rankings, I really look down to how can I mathematically, however that means to me, figure out what what the best is. So, but you know, favorites, those those movies I just listed will all be there. Well, that's all well and good. Let's move on to your top five, Kieran. Let's get into it. These are the five movies Kieran B has on the top of his list. Okay, and I gotta say, too, though, if you've noticed, the directors of the movies that I've selected so far are not heavy hitters here. They're, the big, they're not the big heavyweights. Not, not at least in terms of what you might expect. I would list out that Mel Stewart, Trey Parker... Sergio Leone, James Cameron, and Michel Gondry. You only have one Trey Parker movie on your list? I, <laughs> so those are not like the... Yeah. Among, I guess Sergio Leone is probably up there, I guess, Cameron. in some people's list, James Cameron. But the Tarantinos and the Coen brothers and the Scorseses and the you know, Eastwood Jolines and the Spielbergs and the Finchers, um, the Finchers and Bay. the uh, Nolans and the... What, Michael Bay. <laughs> Michael Bay's. Yeah, so there are some... A lot of names I haven't mentioned yet yeah. here, and we're gonna it, it it's gonna get a little a little dicey here. But we are getting into the section where some some heavy hitting directors are gonna start coming up. All right, Kieran B, on to your top five. Number, number five. Number five. Kieran, yes. you're not the host. I'm, I'm the sorry, host. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Sit back right, and let gotta, me say gotta, it. Gotta, Kieran B, on to your top five. Number five. Number five is Danny Boyle time, folks. Boo, 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 boo. Written by Alex Garland. We're starring. Naomi Harris was starring Brenda Gleason. We're starring Cillian Murphy. That was longer than a heartbeat. It's 28 Days Later from 2002. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Movie that is super important to me. Another movie I saw for the first time sitting right next to you, Artie B. I believe we saw this three times in theaters together. We did. We did. <clears throat> three yeah. times yeah. in the theater? Yeah. We three oh, times. Wow. Within like a five-day span. We just really? kept going yeah. back and seeing yeah. it. Because um, the first time we saw it, we didn't know what it was. Knew nothing about it. The, how you pitched it to me, Artie? You're like, I, I saw this. I saw the advertisement of this movie. We gotta check it out. A guy just wakes up in London and no one's there, and that's all I know about it. And we're like, okay. Uh, the opening scene of the the group breaking into the laboratory, uh, trying to free chimps, uh, chimps that, yeah, chimpanzees that are there. Uh, uh, boy, this is a visceral movie. Yeah, sure uh, the the way it's shot is just it's so. Um, grainy in the best ways, man. It's it's a uh, it's got like a, a soil like nature to the movie where you just you, it, it, the movie needs a shower, and um, it's also the velocity in which they show you things. It's, incredible. It's like it's super fast and like like where you can't catch your breath. You're just like, oh shit, this is happening, and I don't mm. have time to to prepare for it. Yeah, you know. 
speaking of velocity, this is the origin of the sprinting zombies. Right. Mm. Yeah. Sprinting at full Wait, what, speed. What year is this? Uh, 2002. So this does come out before Dawn of the Dead, which also does that high same speed. Same thing, yeah. I think but that's a year taken later. From, yeah. Taken yeah. from this, yeah. Which or, is or way same more, idea, same time. Which yeah. is a movie I like a lot, too, but way more produced, way, oh, way more... Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not comparing the movies. I'm comparing the speed of the actual zombies. Yeah. Is the first time we've seen that like high speed thing going on. Um, I'll go toe to toe with anyone who's rolling their eyes right now and saying, "Really, twenty years no, later?" No, it's like, well, no this movie, movie is a fucking film. It yeah. is a film, absolutely. And and I I saw this and was blown away. There's thematic layers to this movie. Um, the cinematography is out of this world. Yeah. It's award winning level cinematography. He would go on to win for Slumdog Millionaire, thankfully. Anthony Dodd-Mantel, uh, just in- incredible, incredible DP. And again, I love a movie where we can sit and talk about themes and, and analyze symbolism. The symbolism to this movie is incredible, and that's Danny Boyle is best. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Danny Boyle movie, uh, love myself some, some Slumdog Millionaire, another one of my favorites. And I didn't mention that as a movie that could be in because I didn't want to step on the Boyle stuff. Um, just, dude... God, if you haven't seen 28 Days Later, please go get it. I think the sequels are much more accessible, like 28 Weeks Later. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives people a bad taste in their mouth for what 28 mm-hmm. Days Later is. Because 28 Weeks Later was on for a long time on TV, just running, and people could watch it. But that's a movie. It's a movie that picks up on yeah. the idea. Never seen it. It's not a film. It's a movie. It's nothing. It's totally different than 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later is a it's fucking masterpiece. Yeah. It's a zombie movie. He, he has a way of, of doing these, like, giving you these visceral experiences. Like, I mean, uh, Trainspotting does the same thing where, mm. like, you're you're given this intense experience, you know, and this is definitely one of those movies. He also introduces us to some brilliant actors, uh, Brendan Gleeson. Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy is incredible. Um uh, Christopher Eccleston, Eccleston, I don't know exactly how you say his The name. guy who yeah. runs the uh, military yes. group. Yes, that yeah. guy, you, he's, he's kind of one of those, that guy. Yeah, he's in a lot guy. of things. He's in, he's, his in, first, uh, he's in his first movie, Shallow, Shallow Grave, too. He's, he's, he's incredible. Stuff. Like, I mean, you, you, he, has a, he has an eye for talent. You know, for sure. And Naomi Harris, who goes on to be an Oscar, uh, you know, Oscar-nominated actress. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he does it He does it with Ewan McGregor. I mean, he, he he's done it a lot in his career. He yeah. finds the, this these talented people in he's right an unbelievable time. filmmaker this was the first yeah. Danny Boyle movie I ever saw too because well, I, I saw yeah I saw uh, Train Spotting a little later in life I, and, and I know you're not I know you're not not a fan of it but it, it's a hard movie I know oh, you know, I, I, no, Artie doesn't with... Artie's not a fan of it Artie can't Train Spotting yes yeah, yeah, I'm not complicated relationship with that I yeah. can't watch it I, I mean I, it's a hard watch I, but I file in the Requiem for Dream category like I think it's an important movie and uh, there's I mean, tra- elements it's, a, it's an amazing filmmaking training spotting style wise is like there was nothing like I, I mean still kind of isn't anything ever like it again like it's again I, I have to use this word because it makes us Danny Boyle the velocity in which he he, mm. he makes movies even slum, word. Slumdog is the same way it's it's paced like a rocket and even the 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 um, the visuals are going very quickly. You have to really be it's in got a lot of Tony Scott vibes. Yes, moving cameras. They, they have a lot. Thing. There's a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. It, it, and and when I saw this, so this is what we said. Two thousand. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a freshman in college, basically, 
And I didn't know, I didn't know who made it. I didn't know what was behind yeah. it. I knew nothing about it, but I knew this is a film. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't understand why a movie like this isn't considered at the Oscars. That I remember being pissed off. I mean, like, how does a movie like this just get ignored? Is it because it's supernatural or, or whatever it is? And years later, when <laughs> Slumdog wins, and I knew nothing about Slumdog. I remember being like, oh, see, this is the kind of movie that wins at the Oscars. Like, <laughs> Slumdog <really> Millionaire. <laughs> it's like this, like, it's like, oh, this lavish foreign film. Blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I look up, I'm like, wait, this is the guy who did 28 Days Later? Yeah. What? I got to see this movie. Like, and was just like, oh, okay, this is why we don't judge books by their yeah. covers. <laughs> or, or, or previews. Or yeah. movies by previews. Because I remember the 28 Days Later preview and the Slumdog Millionaire preview do not do the, the movie justice. Nor could they. Mm. Also, you know, but genre doesn't do it justice either because it's really it's not a zombie movie. It's not. They're not zombies. No, like, they're they're ill. They have a virus. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's a pandemic movie. It's a pandemic movie, yeah. really, if yeah. you want to break it down. So like it's not nothing about it is what it appears to be. Let's yeah. put it that way. Great, great, so phenomenal movie. ending. Yeah, a movie I, I could legitimately talk about for hours. Honestly, and maybe man, one day we will. That's one that like I would never have thought of, but I'm actually kind of like pissed that I didn't think of it myself. Cool, I love that. All right, so your number five is Twenty Eight Days Later. We are moving on to the Mount Rushmore. Your number four. Number four. I believe this is the director who has appeared on almost everyone's list. He did not make Christie's list, but I think was on everyone else's list. I'm gonna now play the. Kubrick card. It's time to play the Kubrick card. And uh, it's not just my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie by a mile. It is by my favorite author of all time indeed, even though the two of them may not possibly agree on it. From 1980, here's to five miserable months on the wagon <laughs> and all the irreparable harm it has caused me. It's 1980's The Shining Starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Scat Man Crothers. I have to say this was this was actually on my very short list of, of making my list, and I didn't mention it in the in the thing at all. Yeah. Uh, oh, great pick, man. I mean, it it could have been easily on my list. This is an all timer. Yearly watch for me. Every yeah. personal storm. Two yeah. places I go are this, and uh, a certain log cabin movie. Maybe we'll talk about later. Maybe we won't. Yeah, dude. It, it's the first snow. Shining time. Yeah. Uh, recently watched Dr. Sleep's director's cut. Please go out and watch the movie. It's another incredible... Watch the director's cut, though. Not the theatrical version. The director's cut. Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep, sequel to The yeah, Shining. That's great. That's a great one. Incredible stuff. Uh, again, we talk about symbolism. We talk about layered narratives. The movie has it all. It's not necessarily an easy watch. It's it's an uncomfortable watch. I think I think it has it a pop... Be. It has a pop yeah. cultural... Um, nature to it where you know it's like oh we're watching The Shining we're gonna get the here's Johnny we're gonna get the we're gonna get that aspect of it but it's a claustrophobic movie sure. it's a nasty it's movie a, it's a slow build it's a, it a is. slow burn it's, yeah. it's cold it's nasty it's yeah. mean spirited watching him talk to Shelley Duvall is not fun no it's not fun and and as something as I get older, it's harder and harder yeah. to watch. Yet you do it annually. Well, because it's because it is it's just rewarding. a goddamn brilliantly directed movie. I mean, the direction in the movie is. We're talking about attention to detail that I I sit down and try to pay as much attention to detail as Stanley Kubrick did making it. I try to do that watching it and find myself unable. You might get ten percent of the way there. 
Yeah. Like he's got ninety yeah. percent. Oh, you're never gonna find. No, it's it's a it's a Rubik's cube. The, of the, a movie. the the use of shape and color <sighs> to make you feel uncomfortable is like the crazy. I mean, I don't. That's otherworldly. Like I don't think Chris. It, it puts and, it puts eighty five percent of directors to shame. Yeah. Right. And the other fourteen percent are, are are trying to keep their heads above water. Yeah. yeah. It it's just it's something that normal people just can't even see like what he does but like you know when you see it like we all recognize it like oh there's death this is making this. this hallway is fucking freaking me out like nothing has to be there's a kid and a big wheel just going down the hallway and it's the most terrifying thing you've ever fucking seen because of the use of just motion and color and yeah. shape and I hate overusing this phrase, but we're doing top ten lists, so like mm-hmm. it's going to get used a lot. But Jack Nicholson creates one of the all-time characters oh, yeah, in, in movie history. This is a phenomenal performance. Like, yeah, it's ten out of ten. Blake and Red. The, the the I mean the for me the best goddamn scene in the movie is it's it's all performance driven. It's him with a baseball bat, or her with a baseball bat, and him going up the stairs like come on, the best your the best your head in. Gonna bash your head right the fuck like, in. Like, it's just the most insane performance I've ever seen. It's brilliant. And it's brilliant. Yeah. In my office. So do you hear me typing whatever the fuck you hear? I'm in my office. <laughs> it means stay out. Stay out. <laughs> oh, man. It makes you want to watch it. It makes me want to watch it, dude. Totally. It makes me want to watch it. So good. The opening <laughs> shot. Yes. Alone. Oh, uh, it gets me every time. I'm. Do- ex- I, I've never been. I'm never more excited for an opening credits than it is for The Shining. That is like the opening credit number one is The Shining. And the exterior shots are just incredible. incredible. I mean, everything about it is yeah. shot wise. And well, and this is my right. this is my section of the of the list to talk about Stephen King, who is my favorite author. I'm a huge Stephen yes. King nut. Uh, and this movie, because famously Kubrick and King did not get along. That. The source material and the movie are very different, yeah. and they are they are not agreeable with each other. Well, they're two visionaries, the, with, right? And I, and the, the movies, the book and the movie are doing different things. But I kind of just I've always looked at it as like they're like my divorced parents, you know. Sometimes, I, mean, but, but like, oh. I, I I I love them both. They don't get along. I love them both, and I love what both of them are doing. My my, my actual parents were, were never divorced, was, but like it. it um, I got you. We got yeah. Um, it's a but, great but analogy. Has sometimes King's uh, perception of things change over time? Has his, his perception not changed over time? Like he's, does he still not? Love uh, the I, I it's tough to say because there was at one point there was a little bit of a they took everybody into the back room and oh. signed some papers of Stevie. Get shut up! up. Here's shut here's up. a yeah here's a financial agreement. We're not gonna we're not allowed to talk about. Stanley Kubrick anymore. Even the like, reaction yeah. to that movie wasn't good. Like, it was considered a, a well, bad movie. A Chris, flop, we started right? this combo with, like, movies that have aged better than they were in their time. Yeah. And your your episode, if you go back and listen to Chris G's episode, too, um, this is a perfect yeah. example of that. I yeah. mean, this was up for Razzies. Right. It was up for a Razzies for joke Worst Director. They had Razzies in It was up for Razzie for Worst Director. Is there a colder take than that? No. That's, like, Ar- that's, Artie, that's as was, cold as it It was considered a, a giant failure. Like, it was a horrible movie. Which yeah. is like a joke now. It's insane. It's insane to think it, about. It, I, I can't read... Well, the 80s, you know. Yeah. Crack. Well, Check the bingo card. <laughs> it's a very solid number I think there are some over-the-top over, over performances. I think, I think it's all to the benefit of the movie, but at the time, I think it was considered just like over-the-top. You know, like... Yeah. Well, all those people were wrong. So, well, the, number four... <laughs> 
Number four, The Shining. You're crushing it, Artie, as host. You're Thanks. crushing it. He keeps you, it you know what? <clears throat> I have to give it to him. He keeps it moving, man. He keeps it moving. It's, it's, it's the, I longest, know the, combo it's the longest one of these we've had so far, but yeah, sure. Thanks, Bang. Uh, <laughs> well, I also have the uh, guy who's used to talking the most as my co-host. It, yes. Well, it, it, it would only be natural for this to be the longest one of these. So, we're up to your top three. We are up to top three. Stepping out of the supernatural. Now, we've talked about time travel and erasing memories and possible zombie-forming pandemics and ho- haunted hotels. We're going back into people, dealing with people, and uh, relationships and identity and self and dealing with your strengths, dealing with your strengths. I'm having a hard time processing your strengths. We can go back to our, our Lawrence Arabia episode and all it's that, a, which I think we talked about the, the old imposter syndrome. It's a new Barbie movie, you're going to say. <laughs> Spice World. Uh, no. Movie not by one of my favorite directors, to be honest, but it is absolutely one of my favorite movies. To quote the movie, you'll have bad times, but it'll always wake you up to the good stuff you weren't paying attention to. It's written, directed by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. It's starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Minnie Driver, uh, Robin Williams, directed by Gus Van Sant. It's 1997's Good Will Hunting, yeah, number three for me. I consider one of the greatest acting performances of all time, and then my, my favorite Oscar win of all time. Williams. Robin Williams. His performance shakes me to the bone every single time I watch the movie. He's the reason this movie's on this portion of the list. The fact that he was in this movie is astonishing. Yeah. Just, dude, this was two unknown guys making a movie, starring in the movie. The fact that they got Robin Williams is insane. Like, the whole, I don't know if you know the story of the the movie, but it's, it's incredible that they got it made and yeah, and, and Robin Williams kind of looking like he's going to be that Ed Harris type who gets recognized with a couple nominees but never wins one. Swoops in with this one in 97 and just, I mean, it's just, oh, God. I, 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 I get emotionally thinking about it. Like, it's, again, not necessarily a movie I'll watch yearly because it takes me to a place that I don't always want to go. You know, anyone who's been affected by cancer or anything like that, very, very tough. Matt Damon's performance, Ben Affleck's kind of like, yeah. Low keys, like uh, performance in there. Yeah, just selling scars, guards. Yeah, scars, guards. Scars, guards too. I know Artie. You know you're not a mini driver guy, and uh, I'm not. Yeah. But like to your point, uh, in there's a movie previously you brought up that you someone you're not you don't like is in it. Mm-hmm. I should probably have that written down. Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. But he, that was it last episode, week's yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, mini driver is does not take away from this movie. Like she's fine in this movie. She she. I think she's perfect for the role. I I I, I don't know. I love her performance in this. I, I love the math stuff. Great and and the, just the conception of this movie too. Thinking that they had to as we're segueing out of the supernatural, they almost turned him into like this. Like I guess it's not supernatural, but he was gonna be like this. He was gonna be working with the CIA, and there was like a whole like action section that this movie was gonna be coming. Like no no no, let's yeah. make this a human story. Like forget about the second and third acts. This. Let's focus on the first act and make that the whole movie. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it just... They, it, they, they also do a brilliant... Uh, uh, they they portray the lifelong friends in a really brilliant way that, like, movies often kind of get wrong where, like, you can say... Like, the, the, these guys that you grew up with, you can say whatever the fuck you want to each other and, like, nobody gets offended or right. upset... 
they just that's how you talk to each other. Like you, the way that Casey Affleck and Ben and and Matt, they yeah. do a great job of depicting like how close old friends just talk to each other at that age. You know, uh, it's very natural. It, it, it's it's, it's yeah, really the, great. The, the fear to take the leap, the fear of your the fear of your separators, the fear of your strengths. You know, him Matt Damon not wanting to, you know, knowing that he's he has unbelievable uh, intellectual ability. But the fear of engaging in that in the real world, it's like, no, nah, I'd rather just work construction with my buddies and, and Ben Affleck doing it. You know, I want to, I want to come up to your house one day and see that driveway empty. You know, like it, I mean, that's one of the great scenes. But you owe it to me. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, you owe it to me. Yeah. Also, Family Guy has an incredible skit about this, <laughs> where Matt Damon's typing. He's like, "Hey, what's a good word for so and so?" And Ben Affleck's like, laying on a couch asleep. He's like, "Oh, I got a good word for you." <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, throw my name on that, will you?" Like, which and but in retrospect, has not well. yeah. in retrospect, Ben Affleck is a very good writer, and has produced and written way more than yeah. Matt Damon. Well, Damon, Matt Damon, Damon went, went on, on to act. Star. He went on to act. He, yeah, so that, that the skit has aged very poorly. Yes, um, yes, yeah. So, dude, again, it's and, just a, it's an easy movie to recommend to someone. It's an easy movie to watch with someone who's never seen it and know of, you're going to get a hundred percent approval rating, which is Shawshank there too. One yeah. of the best monologues of all time is the uh, the the Williams and uh, Damon at the at. The part at uh, the park, the park bench, which yeah. is which has which the actual park bench in Boston has Robin Williams' it's name on it. It's memorialized, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And also, Williams really ad libbed a lot of that movie. Yes, and and because have you ever seen? You know how they have on social media, they have the clips where you can see the the script and it scrolls to what their the actor is actually saying. Yeah, yeah I watched that with the scene where he's talking about his wife and the in the that's that's the the scene at the park, right? Yeah. Where he's talking about his... no, the one in the all. I saw that exact oh, okay. thing with the script next to him acting with the scene in the office where he talks about his his wife farting. Okay. Yes, mm. that was that was ad libbed. Yes. And you the see, laugh he gets out of Damon was genuine. Genuine, yeah. yeah. He didn't expect that. And same thing with the park. Like if you look at the script next to what he's saying, it's it's vastly different, but brilliant. I mean, the guy's he was brilliant. He was a gifted person, you know. And you know, I love baseball. Artist. And you know, I love the, yeah, the, the authentic yeah. clips of, yeah. of Carlton Fisk. And I had to go see about a girl stuff. It's awesome stuff. Great stuff. Um, yeah, and we want to talk. We like to kind of inside baseball talk about wins above replacement. I think Robert Williams in there is. All time war because that you could slide war. Yeah, you slide like John Lithgow into that role, and like you know, John Lithgow's a wonderful actor. But Robin Williams did things emotionally that connected to people that I don't think any other actor could have done. I think he's like a Barry Bonds war in that spot. Totally agree. Even if you put a Tom Hanks in there, I don't think that he'd reach the heights that that Williams did in that supporting role. Also, one of the great Boston movies of all time. Yeah, I mean, I mean. We talked about Spike Lee in my episode. What one of the great Boston? Yeah, uh, yeah, they know the city. Yeah, Yeah, they they know the city well. So, all right, so that's that's your ten through three, Kieran. Before we get to your top two movies, you have any honorable mentions you want to mention? I do, and you know I rag on you guys about. When we come up to runners up or honorable mentions, and RDU specifically, having just, a lot of them. Yeah, listing yeah, up It's not so easy when you do a yeah, top no, ten, is it? No, it's not. It's I mean, Spider Man's got to be in your list, right? Uh, Homecoming, No Way Home. I do love, I do love OG Sam Raimi Spider Man with with Tobey Toby. Maguire. I do love that. Not absolutely not anywhere near my list. <laughs> we'll throw a superhero movie out there for you there. Oh yeah, because okay. I will say up to this point, 
A lot of big directors have not been named. And I'll do one right now that is not on my list, and that's Christopher Nolan, but Batman Begins is very that. close to being number 10. I know you know. I know very, you very that. close. Love the movie. I think it's a, it's a great human story. It's a super human concept, but a human story. So Batman Begins is on there for sure. I'm surprised uh, that didn't make your list. Very, very close. Probably is, that's the first one I mentioned because it's the closest it got there. A couple contemporary ones that got snipped uh, because they weren't, you know, this is a lot about the movies that made me, so it's a little tough to pick something in the last 10 years, but um, a movie that was on your list, Chris, Whiplash. Okay. Very, very close to mine. Uh, a Star is Born. Bradley oh, Cooper's A Star yeah. is Born. I yeah. thought that was going to yeah. be your number 10 very when you close. sent a musical. And it, there were versions of this list where it was 9 or 10. Yeah. Yeah, I could see In my musical list. section. That I, was love gonna, that, yeah. I love that it didn't make it. <laughs> okay, but you still haven't seen it, so... Um, I'll throw another contemporary one that I love the shit out of. I go back to all the time. I think it's one of the most underappreciated movies uh, of of the last several years, and it is Up in the Air. George, oh, I love that Jason one. Great movie. movie. Lo- yeah, love Up in the Air. Yeah, not everybody loves that one. Wanted to find a spot for it on this list. I really do. Vera Farmiga at, at her best. I, I I've watched that several times. I love I, I could see why that's one of your favorites, Chris G, because it is two people in a room yeah. most of the scenes. That's right. Yep. Okay, guys, I'm gonna drop a bomb right now. Quentin Tarantino, not on the list. Did not make my top ten wow, list. Wow, that is surprising. Yes. Love his filmography top to bottom. His least favorite movie, out of every director, my least favorite movie of his and my favorite movie of his are closer than any other director's filmography. They're okay. like, I love my least favorite movie by him, which is uh, Death Jackie Proof. Brown? Oh. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Jackie Brown guy. But Death Proof would be my, my least oh, favorite one. Death Proof is um, up there for me. Yeah, so. My favorite Quentin Tarantino is Reservoir Dogs. Came very close to the list. Didn't quite make it. Love the theatrical, like, you know, like it's, like it's like you're watching a stage production kind of deal about it. Um, I told you, but I was teasing a, a wintry log cabin movie, Hateful, um, Eight. Hateful Eight, yeah. right there too. Right, yeah. that's yeah. that's that Pulp Fiction, Red Dogs, my, my top three. Yeah. yeah, would have loved to include one of them. Didn't wow. for this. Other movies in my childhood that just are you know are so important to me that I have to shout out: Ghostbusters, yeah. Beetlejuice. Uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. Got to throw them out there. Um, I yeah. wish, in retrospect, I put Ghostbusters on my list. Yeah, j- uh, what I, mean, I was thinking about early rewatchables that are just—they're just such a part of my childhood. Um, I, I, I think Ghostbusters is the reason that I have an affinity to horror movies. That scene in the library, good, just oh, like, yeah. that, that, that's, the that's my earliest scare. Is Slammer in that one? Is no, the uh, opening scene, scene is The opening scene is just the old woman in the library oh, turns right, right, and they right, all right. run out of the library. That's like my first, like, my earliest memory of the scare. And I was horrified, but I was like, oh my God, I run out of the room. And I'm like, like the Ghostbusters run to the library and they're like, all right, I gotta get back and watch the yeah. movie. You know, because that's, that's what the horror genre is there. And, um, and then gonna throw out um, Never Ending Story. Too. Same Great deal one. with the yeah, wolf yeah. and the yeah. more horror, more early horror and all that. Like Goonies is up there for um, me too. Yeah. So yeah, I guess. So those are yeah. little little honorable mentions there for you. Cool. All right, Kieran. We've heard your ten through three. We've heard your honorable mentions. What is your silver medal movie number two? Number two, and we're dusting off a new decade here. It's the fifties, going way way back. The earliest movie on the list, nineteen fifty seven. Uh, directed by a director that I've, other than this movie, I found a newfound love for, and, and I'm tackling his filmography more and more here because I'm realizing the guy's a, a goddamn genius. I think one of the 
one of the greatest screenplays ever put together. You want to talk about chamber pieces. You want to talk about, you know, masterpieces, people in a room talking to each other. Starring Jack Warden, E.G. Marshall, Martin Balsam, Henry Fonda, J. Lee Cobb. It's not easy to stand alone against the ridicule of others. It's 1957's, directed by Sidney Lumet, 12 Angry Men. Great one. Yeah. One of my wife's favorite movies, actually. Yeah. I love the Lawrence Arabias of the world. I love movies that take you to another place, take you another time and place that put you in a, in a climate and a temperature that you're not comfortable with, that you don't know about, that bring you to another world. There are these grand scale, but to me, often the most impressive forms of filmmaking are just a couple people sitting in a room with a camera yeah. and a script. And that's 12 Angry Men, man. There's no, there's no better example of what a script can do. Have you seen, Chris, 12 Angry Men? Uh, it's been a while, but yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a masterpiece. It's, it's and, one and of the greatest it, it, achievements in, in cinema history. It's exactly the kind of movie I love. It's a bunch of great actors in a room together. You know, yeah. I love it. Um, believe it or not, my first introduction to 12 Angry Men, I was in eighth grade. And it was the remake. Of Twelve Angry Men, William Freakins, the uh, remake, the director of um, The Exorcist and the director of French Connection, and it was a, a Showtime original movie, and it was starring Jack Lemmon, and it was starring George C. Scott, and Tony Danza, and James Gandolfini, Edward James Olmos. I mean, we're talking like, a, dude, um, the, it's just an unbelievable cast. And this was my first introduction to the movie. It was this honor, Mike, and and I didn't know there was an older one or any of that. And it was a movie I taped on VHS and watched and rewatched and rewatched and just blew my goddamn mind uh, every time. And and then, like, you know, you know, listen, when you're 14 years old and you watch a remake, you don't know that there's an original version. But anyone who hasn't seen the remake, go out and check it out. It's a wonderfully directed, wonderfully acted thing. They add some diversity in there, so it's not just 12 white guys. And it is, and that adds a little extra element to it. The one on your um, list is the original. The original, right? yes. Okay, no, no. Of course, no, the original. But I'm just saying my first introduction to it was the remake. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, I got to college and, and, you know, watched the original. And it's a movie that it's a movie that I could revisit every time, I, every chance I get. While I wouldn't have given it Best Picture that year because Bridge of the River Kwai, I think, is as best picture of a Best Picture movie can be. I love 12 Angry Men. It's, it's, it's a great, great spot at number two for me. That's a wonderful pick here. Yeah, I... Awesome. Love that movie as well. And when, I, when I heard the fifties pick, I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Like, that, that, when he said that, it's like, "Okay, I, that, that that's a great one." I had the opposite feeling when he said fifties. I'm like, "Ooh, what little gem is he gonna pull out of the fifties?" <laughs> We're on to your number one, Kieran. This is your your pinnacle, your apex. Numero uno, and a big part of this is about uh, the film going experience, which is a big part of this list for me. If you say Top Gun Maverick, we um, have major problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 2020s uh no absolutely not yeah this was the first uh the first movie i saw in theaters without adults it was the first time going to the theater by yourself and experiencing something you might be a little scared of might be a little uh things might get a bit dicey here but we're gonna do it it was a summer watch a summer blockbuster watch for me an early 90s flick of course if we're talking age-wise we don't need to keep the mystery going anymore it's starring sam neill laura dern jeff goldblum samuel l jackson wayne knight sir richard attenborough directed by one of the greatest of all time steven spielberg dr chris my dear dr Artie, welcome 
to Jurassic Park. Number one. This does not surprise me. I, I, I kind of thought this would be up there. Yeah. It's, for me, the most quotable movie of all time. I think it, I think every line of this movie I could pull out and throw at someone. Like, even like, uh, you know, just well, segue. There it is. The, the, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Dotson, we got Dotson here. See, no one cares. Uh, yeah, just uh, <laughs> hold just, on to your butts. Quiet, all of you. They're approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. Oh, um, yeah, Muldoon long. is is one of the greatest. Uh, the, Muldoon, um, seriously, is yeah, one of the best the characters best, ever. The clever gal. Uh, it's um, dude. The de- the death scenes in the movie are like. I remember at one point recently. I'm saying like recently, like as in like the last like five years. Like oh, it was when I watched. I think I've watched one of the sequels, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing that went on there. There were, you know, there was, was four deaths." I was like, four deaths! Like, what? like I feel like like fifteen people died in that movie. What do you mean four deaths or whatever it is? Five deaths? It's like this. Is like it's a movie where there really only are like four or five kills, yeah. but it makes it feel like like thousands of people died because right. of this. Because of this, uh, this sucking the the terror, the the tension. Gennaro the, goes first, the lawyer. Yeah. So if we would, but Gennaro, we know Samuel L. dies. Uh, like Muldoon, a, um, and Nedry. Yeah, but Nedry's undocumented. Nedry's an undocumented death. So I think the other death was the guy in the beginning, the construction worker in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's only four actual deaths. Wow, that's um, wild. Uh, yeah, he's dead. Nedry just disappears. Yeah. They never find his body. So yeah, it isn't a, a horror movie. It's it's a it's. I mean, I guess, but has horror elements. Yeah, too. Like it definitely has horror elements. Yeah, yeah, but and if we I want to tie horrified. in all the genres that we talked about, um, the family elements, the science fiction, yeah. the uh, the supernatural, the um, the horror, the uh, I guess there's no musical to it, but there is one hell of a goddamn score. And another contention for my Mount Rushmore of scores, John Williams' score Absolutely. in this is just um, and I, I and listen, no disrespect to Star Wars. I know we have our Star Wars lovers out there. No, no respect to Jaws. Chris Jaws is your number one of all time. This is my favorite John Williams score. Uh, it's just it, it, it's it's a symphony. It it's, is just it's wonderful. Uh, yeah. You, please don't leave out Harry Potter. Uh, I will leave out Harry Potter. This is my goddamn <laughs> list. I'll put Home Alone in front of Harry Potter. I'm sorry, it's John Williams scores, dude. John Williams scores. Come on, yeah. classic. Home Alone. <laughs> All right, so number one for Kieran B is Jurassic Park. That's a uh, big, a... bold, beautiful green pick. Yes, yeah, very it, green, very colorful. It's the most wonderful Kieran B pick. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It, it fits right in. Kieran, give us your top ten list. You want me to read them off? Let's read them off here. Number ten. 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Number nine is 1999's South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Number eight is 1966's The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Number seven is 1984's Terminator. Number six is 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Number five is 2002's 28 Days Later. Number four is 1980's The Shining. Number three is 1997's Good Will Hunting. Number two is 1957's 12 Angry Men. And number one from 1993, Jurassic Park. And there's the list. You've done it, Kieran. You have successfully sat there as a co-host 
and given your top ten list. That's it, I have. And I just want to just a, a, a touch on my number one. Steven Spielberg can't, uh, can't stick your nose up at what he's done there. Incredible. And I will say, if you asked me what I thought the greatest Steven Spielberg movie ever was, you know what my favorite is. It's Jurassic Park. If you asked me what I thought his greatest movie ever was, I'd say Schindler's List. And the dude directed both of them in the same year. Yeah. That's crazy. insane. Yeah, that exactly. is a, the, just the greatest feat in directing, direction yeah. history. To, yeah, to direct absolutely. those two movies in the same year. No no animation on your list. I, I was surprised by that. I South Park, you... Bigger, Longer, Uncut? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah I yeah. thought you were going to put Coco on there. Um, the well, there movies. there was no Disney. Yeah, there was no Disney. Kicked around the idea. But no, no. Yeah, it was... I, I think... When it pushed came to shove, Park. South Park, Bigger Longer Never Cup mind. Was, was the... Yeah, you nailed it, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It but... animation on there. <laughs> All right, so that's Kieran B.'s top ten episode. It's been a pleasure hosting for the first time. Kieran B. and Chris G., you've been wonderful co-hosts. You, you didn't do the plugs at the beginning. You want to do the plugs at the end there, Artie? I don't know the plugs. You do the plugs. Okay, all right, all right. I'll take over with those here. Yeah. Please, follow us on all of our socials at Best Picture Cast. That would be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd. Email us at bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Please rate and review. Get all that in there. Uh, we want to interact. We want to get in the mix with you. Please talk to me about my list. Tell me why I'm absurd for picking one of these movies and putting them on the list. Uh, tell me what, uh, what, what director's choice uh, I should have had above it. Why didn't I put a Marty on my list? Uh, by the way, my favorite Marty movie is Taxi Driver. All right, well... Been a right, pleasure, guys. Thoughts, you, guys what? Uh, you had a great list, Kieran. Uh, it, it was uh, some of it made perfect sense, and some of it made no sense at all. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, I guess that's what I'm going for. I don't know. Uh, I had fun doing this, guys. It was it was very tough to wait. You know, it's I like know. everyone's doing theirs. I want to do mine. Like I gotta I gotta go last. It's yeah, kind of like really you really you really held held it. I in, held it down. Know? Yes, I held it down. But um, yes, Artie, thank you for hosting. How did it feel? Did you like it? Feels great. I love yes. hosting. Okay, well you can host the more the, me, uh, the better. <laughs> we won't have you host the Schindler's List episode, but maybe the Cimarron episode. I don't know. <laughs> I, actually, how about maybe the, the sub the sub fifty winner? Well, the next sub fifty winner. Well, maybe the sub fifty draft preview. Artie's <laughs> eyes just lit up. Was... Yeah, but Cimarron episode. I don't think I'd be employed after I did that episode. <laughs> Play us out, Kieran. Yeah.